Hey, thanks for checking out the Reveal Vineyard podcast. Here at Reveal, our mission is simple. Find God, find others, and find yourself. For more information, visit us online at revealvineyard.com. Uh, well, we're in the second week of our series that is called Crave. Crave uh, is a three-week expedition into the human soul. And I told you last week that Crave is kind of a different service. Crave is more of a journey of sorts. And I think the best way to describe Crave would be uh, to describe it uh, as space. We're trying to give space for you to explore and to think and to reflect and to ask questions that may not have easy answers. That's what Crave is about. Matter of fact, if uh, you're looking for uh, an easy uh, answer, if you're looking for something to be presented to you, a box with a little bow on it with all of the answers, you'll be disappointed because Crave is more about a process than a product. We're not just trying to give you four points on PowerPoint, which, you know, we have series like that, but this one is more about you wrestling with what you crave and where God might be in that. There's moments in the series that will be more about shades of color and less about black and white. Some of you will like that. Some of you analytical people, you won't like that. But Crave is going to be best if you dig and search and wait and listen and hopefully in the end discover what it is that you crave. Because we all have cravings. Some of those cravings deal with basic physical needs. They're on the surface. Maybe you crave uh, coffee or maybe you crave chocolate. For me, I crave, I crave pizza and wings. Like I could eat it all the time and I do if you look at me. But uh, when I was younger, that's all we ate. Me and a couple friends, it's like we'd watch the Suns uh, and you know, back in the Kevin Johnson era and we'd eat pizza and wings. That's all we did. And so I got married and I expected my wife would want to eat pizza and wings and watch basketball and she shot that down immediately and I'm still bitter to this day. But I still crave uh, pizza and wings. But then there are some cravings that go far deeper. There are some uh, cravings that rest in our soul. There are some cravings that are not just physical needs, that you know, they, they are a matter of life and death. If you've ever worked in the hot July summer, you craved water. If you've ever been underwater for too long with your lungs burning, frantically swimming to break the surface plane of the water, you crave air. And then there are, soul, there are cravings that lie deep into our soul. And these are cravings that are relentless in nature. They do not rest quietly. Instead, they scream, and at times they torment us to be satisfied. They go deeper than our flesh and beyond our understanding, beyond the mind's ability to fully comprehend. And is it possible that as the body dies without air and water, is it possible that our souls begin to wither if they do not have what the soul craves, if it is deprived of what the soul needs? I don't think it matters who you are or where you've been or what you've accomplished. The soul craves. It's almost, it's almost as if we've been created with a factory defect of sorts that regardless of how far you've traveled or how much you've accomplished or how much you have, there's something in us that pulls us and woos us into the future searching for something in hopes of satisfying the craving in our soul. We are sojourners on common quest. We share common cravings. And Is it possible that our soul cravings reside in three distinct areas of longing? Last week we looked at our first soul crave, and that is that our soul craves destiny. And when we talk about destiny, we don't mean destined for fame or fortune or anything odd. We're not destined for 
our riches, but destiny is that knowing that something awaits us in the future, knowing that our lives are on a track of moving forward. As humans, we don't do well without the belief that tomorrow can be better than today. And when we lose that expectation or that hope that tomorrow can be better than today, we slip into despair and all sorts of depression. In our soul, there is a sense of destiny that draws us and calls us to something better than what we currently are, to be something heroic, something honorable, something remarkable. It's, it's, it's in each of us. We saw this in a video clip last week. And admittedly, some of you did not get the video clip. And we knew going in that we were going to be about 50-50. And we knew in this series that some of you would have such an artistic bent. We knew that some of you, you're not going to like it because we're not presenting you with four PowerPoint answers that you go home and just, you know, forget about later anyways. But, you know, that there's a different, it's very artistic in its, in its nature. It'll be a video today that will kind of uh, move that direction as well. For those of you that missed it, the video highlighted our craving for destiny. And that even in his worst moment, the prisoner in his literal prison, there was a craving within him to be better than he is. A craving of destiny to, on some level, to be heroic. And so he gets out of the prison to make something right. A ring that he stole from his brother. It was his desire, the craving within him. That's in all of us, to be better than we are. And without the, the idea that I can be better than I am, we die. We die inside. And so it was his purpose that there was something stirred and there was an awakening in him to be heroic, even if it was just for a moment. We all have that craving. All of us have a craving to not be identified by our past. Even at our worst, there's something inside of us that craves to be better, noble, or extraordinary. More than that, even at our worst, intrinsically, we know that there is something in us. There is something in us that says we were created for better. That we were not created to simply just exist and to survive and to make it from one day and then make it to the next day. That regardless of where you find yourself in life, you know there's something in you that says, I was meant for better than this. We're asking, is there a purpose in that craving? Every human craves destiny. Without that destiny, we lose hope. Today you may find yourself shackled in a prison that you've created for yourself, but you still crave destiny. You crave a destiny to be something more, something noble, something honorable. The second craving that I think we all have is we have a crave for intimacy. To be loved for who we are and not what we do. We have a craving to belong and to be accepted. And the third, we have a craving for meaning. We all have within us this, this craving to make sense of life, to find what is true and to do something significant, to ask the question, what is my purpose for taking up oxygen? What is my purpose for being here? Why do I exist? I want you to explore this thought with me. Is there a reason why we all have these common cravings? And maybe the greater question is, did someone put them there? Is it possible that the cravings that we all have that, that are unique to the human species, is it possible that they might be an echo of something bigger than ourselves? And could they, might they be the fingerprints of our creator left on our soul? Might they exist because we have been created by God and in God's image, in his likeness, and therefore we will always crave these things. And in our cravings, is it possible that we reflect part of God's character? Not that God craves anything, don't get me wrong. It's not like he is in want or in need, but 
when we crave intimacy? Is it possible that we crave intimacy, that we crave love, because God in his essence is love, and in his creation, his fingerprint has been left on us, and now we crave a portion of that? Is it possible that we crave destiny because from the beginning of beginnings, God had a story laid out. It's the gospel, it's the cross, everything in the Old Testament leading to the appearing of Jesus, his son. Is it possible that we crave meaning because everything God does is with purpose and we crave truth because God in his essence is truth? I wonder if it doesn't matter where we've been or how far we've traveled or how much we have or how much we lack. We will always crave because it has been left over. It is the fingerprints, the remnants of our creator in us. And might this be intrinsic evidence for the existence of a creator? Might this be what Solomon meant in Ecclesiastes where he said that God has written eternity on the hearts of man? Is it possible that, that, that's, what he's, that that's what he's speaking about, that, that God has left his fingerprint behind in each one of us, and even at that, we still can't fully comprehend all that God has done? And so today we continue with our series on Crave, and we're going to look at our craving for intimacy our craving for love. Join me as we pray. Lord, would you do something significant in us today? And would you give us the ability to move and to breathe and to explore and to ask questions and to examine ourselves? And would, in that examination, would you speak? Would you do beyond what I could do in a, cer- a certain uh, simple presentation of a message, would you, Holy Spirit, move in us and work in us and speak to us and change us and change our course and place us on the path that we should be? Would you come, Spirit of God? We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Let's talk about our craving for love and intimacy. Given all the problems that love creates, why do we continue to long for I mean, how many thousands of years have to go by before we learn? How many Romeo and Juliets need to lie dead on the floor before we kind of back off on this crazy idea of love? And I know Romeo and Juliet, they weren't real, but some would say that love isn't real, so there. For those who hold to this idea of evolution as their preferred understanding of the human story, then why can't we just evolve ourselves out of this primal Achilles heel that we know is love? I mean, we write about love, we sing about love, There are movies about love. There are entire books on the language of love. Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages that will tell you exactly both how you receive love and how you give love. There's there's five of them, right? There's the quality of time. There's words of affirmation. There's the love language of gifts. There's acts of service. And there's touch. I mean, if you're wondering what my love language is, uh, it is uh, touch and gifts. And touch me again, if you know what I'm saying. All right, moving right past that. So some of you guys are like, yeah, that's mine too. Um, Within the human race, with all that we've accomplished, why can't we move past this primal feeling, this primal craving of love? And listen, let's not give us this thing of of procreation and, and this idea of propagation of the species because love is not needed to procreate. But why can't we move past it with all that humanity has accomplished? I mean, we're putting people to live in space. We can clone life. And yet, 
with all that we've accomplished, you would think we'd outgrow this primitive desire for love, and yet we can't shake it. We are driven by love, and we are driven to love, and when love goes bad, we are driven from love, but the, the, the craving in our soul still persists. You may have been hurt by love, felt like you were being suffocated when love went bad, and you may have even swore that you will never love again, but with time, your heart opens to love because the soul needs what the soul needs. It's almost as if we're addicted to love. It's almost like, like your lights are on and you're not home. It's almost like your mind, is, it's, not, it's not your own. I mean, you like to think that you're immune to the stuff. Oh yeah, but it's closer to the truth to say you can't get enough. Some of you have no idea what I'm doing right now. But you know you're going to have to face it. You're addicted to love. I thought about having the band. Yeah, thank you. I actually thought about, some of you still don't know what's going on. <clears throat> Welcome to the 80s. Uh, I actually thought about having the band join me in on that. And, 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 you know, I thought, well, we can have some fun with it. And I thought, you know, next I'm singing, you know, Chameleon by Board George. And then it's like, well, that just it all goes bad. So I thought, let's just stick with the lyrics and see what happens. But. Why else would we subject ourselves to love's fury? I mean, has there ever felt like times that love has led you like a lamb to slaughter? The more you love someone, the more you give them the ability to wound you and hurt you. When you give your heart to someone, you are trusting that they will care for it, and they can either care for it or they can crush it. And given all of the problems that love creates, why do we still crave 300 years after the Enlightenment, we're still not doing any better. In, a, in an information age and in a technological revolution, we still need this thing, this primitive idea of love. No matter how many times we fail or how bad we've been hurt, we cannot back away. We plow forward. Even the scars of love do not keep us from risking at love. Almost as if it is beyond our control. And this is, this is where I begin to hold to a conspiracy theory. It's as if we have been purposefully designed with a factory defect that keeps us searching for love. It seems humiliating to say it, but, but we need love, as if we should all walk into a 12-step center and say, hi, my name is Marty, and I'm a loveaholic. It's, like, it's, it, it's almost as if we've been created in a way that we cannot, it's almost beyond our ability to choose you try to ignore love, if you think you can live without it, you may be in worse shape than the person who is desperate to find it. To give up on love may mean to choose a life that is less than human. Why is it that when you give up on love, you give up on everything good that comes with it, like joy and hope and forgiveness and compassion? They're all connected. And some may say, well, what if I never find love? I mean, I can search for love and I can fight for love and I can uh, want love, but what if love never comes to me and then I can't be responsible if love never comes my way? And you're correct in that, but possibly greater than our desire to receive love is our desire to give love. And when you don't receive love, your heart can break, but when you don't give love, your heart becomes hard. Again, it leads me to this conspiracy theory that maybe we were designed to love. It is impossible to live unaffected by love. 
because we are most alive when we find it, most devastated when we lose it, most empty when we give up on it, and most inhumane when we betray it, and most passionate when we pursue it. I think the human story is more driven by the insanity of love than it is regarding about the survival of the fittest. It pulls us, it woos us, it eludes us, it torments us, and sometimes all in the same day. No matter how we are different, we are common in this area. We all crave love and intimacy. And could it be? Could it be that we are searching for a love that we have lost? Or perhaps more strangely, that we are searching for a love we have never known, but somehow we sense that it awaits us. Might we crave love because someone first loved us? Is it possible that our craving for love is because it is woven into our DNA? Could we have been touched and created and formed in love and by love to where now love resides in us somewhere and it's waiting to be experienced and waiting to be released and it's not by accident? Could it be the fingerprints of God on the human soul? When life was breathed into man, was the essence of God, the love of God, was that imparted to the human soul? Is that why we cannot shake it? Is this part of being made in the image of God? Could our craving for love be the remnants of our Creator working in us? Is it possible our soul's crave for love is still the breath of God circulating through us? Scripture tells us that God creates and holds everything together, that everything is done in Him and through Him, meaning everything exists because of Him and He is holding it together and Could that mean that with every breath we are still inhaling the love of God? Believer or non-believer? With each breath breath we are receiving love and inhaling life of God. And with every breath we exhale life and we, we exhale love to the rest of humanity. And is it imaginable that the life God breathed into us has rooted in us a love that in a very small way resembles our Creator? A love that we will continue to pursue regardless of how it hurts us because that type of love our Creator is well acquainted with. And in our soul's craving for love, is it leading us somewhere or to someone in hopes of ultimately satisfying our craving for intimacy? Is our craving for love something bigger than us? Might we be searching for a love we'd lost or maybe searching for a love we've never known but believing that it is just waiting to be discovered? When I was 21, I fell in love with uh, my wife and it was more of a shallow love because we broke up for two years. At 24, um, something hit me and I knew she was the one. And so I started coming around and trying to put the moves on her, and she resisted. As I was trying to convince her of my love, she kind of, and rightly so, was, was skeptical. And It was, took time before uh, my love captured her heart, and in a sense, before she realized that I am the one that she'd been waiting for. Remember when you were, were younger, you would send somebody to somebody that you liked and try to gather the information and say, to see if they like me or if I'm cute. And, we, you know, even the 24 at the time, we did that with coworkers and we worked together and you kind of see what she says. 
but when the time came for me to be serious about pursuing her. I didn't send my brother to declare my love, and I didn't send a friend to tell her how I had changed, for in matters of love, you have to make an appearance. You have to do it yourself. And this is the story of God. That throughout the Old Testament, we see God declaring his love for us through individuals and even through angelic beings and through prophets. And, 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 but eventually, eventually, ultimately, in his pursuit, he didn't send an angel to express his character or a prophet to explain his affection for in issues of love, you must go yourself. You must make an appearance. And that's what God did. That is the story of Jesus. That God's pursuit of love that he breathed into us originally Life breathed into us was God saying, I need creation, I need humanity back. And so he puts on flesh to walk among us and his purpose, let me have the band come up. His purpose was not to just have us have a change of morality and his purpose was not to come uh, with a mission of behavior modification. His goal was not just to get you to go to church or to come with a list of do's and don'ts and if you do, I will love you and if you don't, I will reject you. You see, this is where religion always leads us. It whittles down to the bottom line that is the basis of all religion. God loves, but he loves on condition. And if you meet his conditions, he will love you. But if you don't, he will reject you. And we've carried that over into our Christian faith that God is some God who is waiting for us to somehow do something right enough to receive his love. It's why some people pray five times a day and others pray rosaries and others bring offerings and light candles and memorize incantations for the same purpose in order to gain acceptance from God. When a religion is created with the subtle subtle premise that God withholds his love and you must submit to the system in order to earn his love, that is the worst of corruptions. When did we start to believe that we must achieve God's love? And why would anyone submit themselves to a fickle God like this? And the reason we do is because within us we crave it so desperately we are willing to put ourselves through anything in order to have a chance at it. But I believe today that love is waiting for you. Unconditionally, that you cannot mess it up. Which is amazing to me that really God's love for me isn't even about me. It's God loves because he chooses to love and I cannot ruin it. You cannot ruin it. I believe today that love can find you. The love that you crave in your soul. And is it possible that what we need, what our soul craves, is that breath of God that was breathed into us at creation that we crave the breath of God to breathe life into us again. That we would absorb his life into us. In the next few moments, I encourage you to do some soul searching and see what God would have to say to you regarding the craving of your soul. You ask that you guys remain seated. Um, one of the things my son, he's almost 10 months now. And uh, he, one of the things that we, when we say our prayers every night, is uh, that my prayer for him is that God would breathe on him even while he's sleeping. And it's this idea that we can 
find rest and life, even in slumber. And so what we're going to do is just allow space just to reflect and meditate and to process just what has been said and the scriptures that have been spoken over you, just, just to sit in silence. And I know that like silence is a really scary thing and we don't do it very often, especially in our culture. And I know for myself, silence is really scary because then it like makes me address the thoughts of my mind. But there's something really, really important about examining ourselves and where we're at. And so we're just going to have just some time for silence. And I just want you to visualize as you take in breath, because you can't hold your breath the whole time. Uh, you're going to have to breathe. So when you breathe, just visualize if the, the breath of God breathing and, and, you know, just as you inhale, receiving that life that he gives and even as you exhale, because we are receivers of life, but we're also givers of life. And even as you exhale, what does that even just feel like within our physical bodies to, to breathe in life and to breathe life back out again? And really just what the Spirit of God may be trying to speak to you about, about um, some of the things that you've heard. So we're going to do that, and then we're going to have just some time for reflection and there will be some questions on the screen and just some, some scriptures to, to listen to as well. Um, and then we'll sing together. Let's just take a moment for silence. Awaken the song that you 
placed in my heart. Spirit, breathe on me. Spirit, breathe on me. are wonderful. I know that full well. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before even a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts of me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Thank you. 
I know the series for some might be a little difficult uh, for you to grasp all of it. I don't know. Um, But what I'm hoping is that as you reflect on the craving in your soul, that it would lead you to Jesus. And that the best thing that we can offer you is Jesus Christ and Him crucified, Jesus Christ and Him resurrected. And that we would find that what our soul craves is actually been placed there by our Creator. And so today as we leave, we have a picnic that I'm hoping a lot of you will go to. And part of our craving for intimacy and love is not just with our Creator, but with one another, that God has created us to connect. And so I am asking you that if you go to the picnic, regardless of how long you've been here, first time, or you've been here from the beginning, regardless of whether or not you have a title or you serve in a ministry, that all of us would be part of welcoming the rest of our church family together. Everyone has a craving to belong. And I'm asking that all of us would be part of helping others belong. And so that means somebody who's there, you know, first time, go and meet someone. Hundredth time, go and meet someone. It's the craving, the longing that we have within us. Lord, continue to speak to us over the days and weeks to come to uh, bring us to where you want us to be. Continue to move in us. and Let us reflect on what our soul craves that we may come to you. That you would be drawing us in that we would see the fingerprints of God upon us and that we would return to you, that we would embrace your love unconditionally, that we would embrace others unconditionally for our craving for love and for intimacy. will never cease because you've placed it within us. Lord, I pray a blessing over our church, all that are here and all that are not here, Let us experience you this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're a guest, I'd love to meet you down front. Uh, If you're uh, needing prayer, come on down. We'll pray for you. Don't forget your chairs and stuff. And uh, hope to see you at the uh, Surprise Park. Ramadas 4, 5, 6, and 8, I believe. You'll see the big jump houses out there. God bless you guys.